All right, uh, back on the Young Turks. Uh, I got a great uh, guest for you guys right now. So he's a writer, producer, director, Scott Burns. Uh, he's uh, done a couple of movies you might remember. Academy Award winning uh, documentary, and Inconvenient Truth. He was a producer on that. Inconvenient Sequel, uh, Sea of Shadows, Bo uh, Rope, Born Ultimatum, The Informant, Contagion, Side Effects. And now has uh, written and produced The Laundromat. Uh, on Netflix, these are amazing movies. And the report uh, is now on Amazon. He wrote, produced, and directed that one. So, Scott, great to have you here, brother. Good to be okay, here. yes. So, that's a hell of a resume, man. That's Thank a good, you. good, good career. All right, I want to talk about the latest ones because uh, they're right up our alley. Um, hopefully, we'll have time to talk about your career, but these movies are too interesting. Okay. Okay, so the report is about the CIA torture. Um, so, before we show the trailer and get into the nitty gritty, why? Like, we're, I mean, a lot of people want to do popcorn movies. <laughs> you write yeah. and direct the movie about torture. What? What made you do it? Well, they serve popcorn at the report, so <laughs> still, it could still be a popcorn movie if you want. No, I, there were a lot of things that sort of coalesced to make me want to want to tell this story. I think, first of all, you know, the 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 CIA's enhanced interrogation program, you know, was. In my estimation, one of the worst things that's happened in my lifetime in this country, and it sort of got short shrift in the news. So I wanted, I wanted to tell a story about that using film and and get it into popular culture. Um, so that had a lot to do with it. Also, when I started to do my research, I met this guy Daniel Jones, who was the lead investigator who wrote the report, and. Daniel, in my opinion, and, and the opinion of others, Jane Mayer, who is a great journalist for The New Yorker, um, was someone I worked um, with on the script at times. And you know, Jane said, Dan's an American hero. And I wanted to write about an American hero um, in a moment when we are really struggling with you know, partisan politics, because this story is truly bipartisan. Yeah, and uh, actually, give you a great say. First of all, uh, Daniel Jones was an American hero. That's why they tried to have him arrested, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a second. And it's so bipartisan. Normally, I think Diane Feinstein is way too conservative for my taste uh -huh. and not a big fan. But here, she is the hero. Yeah. Uh, and so, credit where credit is due. Uh, Annette Benning plays her. Uh, so, let's take a look at the trailer and right. then come back and talk about it. After 9 11, everyone was scared. Scared it might happen again. Obvious terrorist attack. It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. Morning, Dan. Morning, Senator. Have you seen the story today in the New York Times? Evidently, the CIA destroyed tapes of interrogations of Al Qaeda detainees. I want to find out what was on the tapes and why they were destroyed. No paper. Paper is a way of getting people in trouble at our place. At our place. Papers how we keep track of laws. Last night I found this. He's detaining number 24. Have you guys used this thing long ago? No, we watched your video. They waterboarded him 183 times. 11, Everything they got from him 13, was either a lie or something they already had. If it works, why do you need to do it 183 times? Maybe when the report comes out, people will finally see that. So that line that Feinstein has there is what I said on the show about a thousand times. I was like, if it didn't work the 182nd time, it wasn't about it working. 
Yeah, no, it so, wasn't. It, it is so much more I learned though uh, from this. So I didn't know that enhanced interrogation was a translation from German, that and that it was the Nazis that originally used that word, that phrase. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if it was just a coincidence that they ended up coming up with the exact same English words that the Nazis used. Um, but you know, there's there's kind of a fascinating story about that. When we liberated um, the 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 German you know prisoner of war camps at the end of World War II, we found a lot of our guys dead in the snow. They had obviously been treated barbarically. And there was a big outcry in this country about, well, why are we treating German prisoner of wars, German prisoners of war in accordance with the Geneva Convention? We gave them the same meals our guys got. We treated them with respect. If they worked, they were paid a wage. And there was a big debate in this country about should we be doing that? And the end of that debate in Congress was this. No, we should not do that because we are not Nazis. And it's <laughs> yes. sort of stunning to me. That we then find ourselves doing these techniques, you know, in Vietnam and in you know in Latin America, and then again, you know, here after 9/11. So actually, another thing I learned from this, I knew that we got our best information from Nazis that we had captured by treating them well. We yeah. took them down to Alabama, we played ping pong with them, even took them to state dinners. And we have the best information. It was not because we wanted to treat the Nazis nice, we knew that that's what worked best. Yeah. What I learned from this, though, is that the Nazis did the same. So even though yeah. they had the enhanced interrogation phrase and they had been brutal to some of our prisoners, wasn't their most effective interrogator someone who actually yeah. used the reverse? Yeah, there was a guy named Hans Scharf who was the best guy the Nazis had. And he worked on about 500 airmen, um, British American airmen, who were shot down over Europe. And Scharf, you know, got to know them, did what we now call in law enforcement rapport building. Um, and he was able to get a lot of really important information. We were in fact so impressed with Hans Scharf's methodology that after the war, the Pentagon hired Hans Scharf. Oh my God. Um, and used him to train our people. So the methods you know when i when i started doing my research i spoke to military interrogators i spoke to ali sufan who was the fbi's arabic speaking interrogator who helped solve the coal and ali sufan was sent in with abu zubaydah who was our first detainee and i would ask these guys so what do you do what works and they're like one thing works and it's always worked and that's rapport building you understand these people you talk to them and eventually they break because they have no real choice. And so you have to kind of question, why did the CIA go down this other path? Well, that's exactly what I was gonna get to. So before we get there though, so people understand, what did they do? Like what, what's walling, what are the different methods that they use that are right. torture by law? So there were a number of methods that these two psychologists who are Air Force psychologists, um, one is named Jim Mitchell, one is named Bruce Jessen. Um, they had worked at Sears School um, at Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane. And just so people understand what Sears School is, Sears School is where we send like Navy SEALs and Air Force Rangers to go and get trained. So if they get captured, they are prepared for the worst things that the worst regimes on earth will do. And we do this so that they understand, it stands for survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. 
And it is exactly that, you learn skills so that you are not instantly traumatized when these people start doing really barbaric things to you. So these two psychologists after 9-11 decided that they could reverse engineer this. And so even though these were never techniques that people thought got the truth. And in fact, if you go and look through history, regimes use them to get false confessions, not the truth. Mm-hmm. So even though they knew all of this, they go into the CIA and go, we have the special sauce. We know how to make these Al Qaeda guys talk. And those techniques involved things like walling, which meant slamming a guy into the wall repeatedly. Um, things like waterboarding, which is simulated drowning. Things like sleep deprivation, where we would keep people up for days at a time with bright lights and blasting music in their cells. Things called stress positions, where we would chain people up. Um, the list goes on and on. I mean, you know, the the Office of Legal Counsel under John Yoo and the George Bush admi- in, in the second Bush administration approved these techniques under the condition that if they provided unique intelligence, which was a big term, unique mm-hmm. intelligence that saved American lives, then the president could order them. And did they? Uh, no, not according to the Senate's report. And I think that that's the important piece of American history because. You know, Harvard did a poll not long ago where they asked people, even to this day, do you believe that these techniques result in getting intelligence that thwarted attacks and saved American lives? And about half of our country still believes that these things work. Um, Even though according to this report, which took five years to do, was bipartisan, its biggest proponents were John McCain and Dianne Feinstein, and the military, by the way, who. And, and they do not endorse these things. So all of these different constituencies recognize that this is a bad idea. It's against who we are, it's against our laws, and it doesn't work. There's still half of our country who think that this is a way to save lives. And you know that had a lot to do with why, why I wanted to tell the story. So there's also the insult slap, uh, yeah. et cetera. And, uh, and th- those are just euphemisms for Kicking the crap out of some guy, yeah. slamming him against the wall, slapping him around, yes. threatening him, etc. And and these are all torture, not just by international law, but by U.S. law. Correct. So that's why they had to come up with a new Nazi term for it, so that it's technically not called torture. So then, which leads to maybe the most important question: Why they know? It's not like they don't know. It's not like Dick Cheney doesn't know the history of it, of interrogations, and the people at the CIA don't know the history of interrogations. They know it doesn't work. So why they do it? I think that's an open question for all of us to ponder. You know, after after 9/11, as the movie says, you know, I think there was a lot of shame at the CIA. And there's a psychologist um, who I'm going to get his name wrong, but he had a great quote which came to me in the middle of me doing my research that violence is is an attempt to turn shame into self-esteem. And I think the CIA really felt that they had the right. And and even you know when I've gone to you know dinner parties and and gone around with the movie over the last year, there are people who will come up to me and whisper, "So come on, after what they did to us, didn't we have the right to do that?" And and I, I just sort of stop them and go, "Tell me what you mean by they, because the guys who hijacked the planes all died. So are you saying they is all Arab men?" Are you saying it's all Muslims? And then you look at our, our history in World War II. You know, 
We didn't put all the Germans in concentration camps in, in America or internment camps, but we did do that to the Japanese. And I think when you look at the history of this country, we have a tendency to do things to the other that we would not do to you know white Judeo-Christian Europeans. And it's hard for me having spent so much time looking at the story to come up with any other conclusion than that. Yeah, and Dr. James Gilligan was the guy, yeah, yeah. The, the psychologist that you were referring to. That's right. And also, they who in that some of the people we tortured were totally innocent. Yeah. And so, oops. And then finally, though, on this, because I do want to talk about laundry, because that's also yeah. so interesting, that they got away with it, didn't they? I mean, and in fact, the ultimate irony is Gina Haspel. Uh, so they destroy, they do the torture, they destroyed the tapes of the torture, which is wildly illegal. Yeah. If, that they didn't go to jail for that is insane. And then who's Gina Haspel and what happened to her? Well, Gina Haspel was somebody who was a part of the CIA's counterterrorism unit throughout this story. Um, and when, when the media became aware that they had made tapes of these interrogations, the White House actually, Harriet Myers, who was Bush's lawyer, said you can't destroy the tapes. There's a kind of thing that happens in this country when somebody destroys evidence and we don't want to follow in that pattern. And the records show that the heads of the CIA in fact said we should not destroy the tapes. But Jose Rodriguez and Gina Haspel appear from all of the records and, and I think by her own admission in her confirmation hearing, to have authorized the destruction of these tapes. And now we find that Gina Haspel is the head of the CIA. It's kind of stunning when you think about it that the same Senate committee that approved this report in, in 2014, that put it out in the world, that that same Senate Intelligence Committee turns around a couple years later and approves Gina Haspel as head of the CIA without any regard to the findings. And, and this is, I think, a bigger issue that I hope the movie you know, brings up in our society, which is, well, what the hell happened to accountability? You know, why is nobody held accountable? And you know, driving over here, listening to the impeachment hearings, you know, I think the same questions apply there. Look, I get, this is why I get so frustrated with the Democratic Party, because I, look, they, Daniel Jones, they try to arrest him. The CIA tried to arrest him, yeah. you know. And and Diane Feinstein, the reason she got so animated on this, if you ask me, is because the CIA tried to spy in on her. So then it got to her power and privilege, and then she got really upset, right? Yeah. But but then for God's sake, look, I want to give you credit, Senator Feinstein. <laughs> then just say under no circumstances putting Gina Haspel in as the head of the CIA yeah. is. Celebrating lawlessness, our Republican colleagues are are now just saying we should have anarchy, and they're pro torture, pro destroying evidence, etc. But they got no fight in them. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I think the movie. You know, look when I, when I wrote this movie and and did the research, it becomes really clear that you know, you know, in the hierarchy of villainy, you know, the CIA and Dick Cheney and the Bush administration are at the top. Yeah. Um, but when you get to the Obama administration, and you know, I will say flat out, and I have said this, you know, since I've been going out talking about the movie, I voted for Barack Obama twice, and I'm thrilled that I lived in a time 
um, where I got to see him be elected president of, of the United States, and I have great admiration for him. That being said, you know there are things that that I don't agree with. I don't agree with not holding the bankers accountable. I don't agree with not holding the CIA accountable, and and I think that that's the pattern that you're speaking to. There's this sort of, you know politics of appeasement and this long game that the Democrats seem to believe in that well if we go after them on this they'll they won't give us X Y or Z they're never gonna give you anything anyway no Scott there's a reason I knew I liked you okay <laughs> 100% right on Obama I mean saying we don't look backwards we look forwards is absurd on its face then you'd have to let every criminal out of jail because in order to prosecute anyone you have to look backwards yeah and so it that Philosophy was wrong. Okay, I gotta go to Laundromat because okay. that's also an amazing movie. Right. Okay, so that's about the Panama Papers. So before we go to a clip from that movie, sure. how did we even find out about the Panama Papers? Because that's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean that's where the story sort of you know crossed the the threshold of my attention span was one day in the news all of a sudden someone you know named John Doe um, released this trove of documents from a law firm. In Panama, called Mossack and Fonseca, and what that law firm does is allows people to set up these offshore shell corporations where they hide money, and a lot of that money, because no due diligence is done, comes from from criminality at every level, whether it's people who are elected officials who are squirreling away bribes, um, or or outright criminals, drug runners, um, people who are doing money laundering. And it brought down leaders of a number of countries. Um, you know, the Prime Minister of Iceland had to go. Um, other people are, are incriminated in them. And they sent this to a thing called the ICIJ, which is the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. And they have done an amazing job of trying to turn this trove of hundreds of thousands of documents into news stories. That people can understand because one of the stunning things I learned in doing my research here is, you know, the problems that we look at in our lives, like bad schools and bad roads and, and a host of other things, bad health care. It isn't because we don't have enough money, it's because we don't collect the money from our tax base that exists in the world. Um, and that's what I really tried to tell that these problems aren't as mysterious as we think they are and they're not insolvable. And usually nothing gets done about that either because those are the same donors that fund our politicians. Uh, I wanna talk about how it unraveled though, but first let's take a quick look at a clip from the movie. Now privacy and secrecy are two different things. Privacy is locking the bathroom door when you wanna take a pee. Secrecy on the other hand is locking the door because what you are doing in a bathroom isn't what people usually do. And sometimes after privacy has had a few drinks, he might decide he wants to spend the night with a secrecy just to explore their relationship. But where can they be together without people peeking in through the curtains? Well, usually in an offshore company. That way, someone looks in a the window, they see an empty room. And the window and the room could be in two different places. Yeah, the window could be in the British Virgin Islands and the room could be in... Uh... China, goes all the way to China. Mel, 
found it on the internet. They had the whole story. Mom, I think you're spending too much time obsessing on this. Politicians are doing it. It's not just criminals. Bribery, corruption, money laundering, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they're trying to hide the whole thing through this company called Russell Pro Yes, Russell Properties. Okay, so really important, who's Meryl Streep in the movie there? Meryl Streep at that point in the movie is Ellen Martin, who is a fictional character who begins her sort of interest in this odyssey when she goes on a on a cruise in New York on a fall day, and the boat capsizes and a lot of people die. And Ellen Martin begins to sort of picket this because the insurance company that the cruise line had turns out to be owned by a shell corporation inside of a shell corporation and there is no money. And this again goes to this, this thing that Stephen and I were trying to do in the movie, which is take this very abstract notion of this, this private world of, of high finance and show how it affects everybody. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh directing the movie. So. Um, Again, one more time, let's talk about consequences. I know we limited time here, but okay, what once we found out, oh, they're hiding all the money, they're not paying their taxes, they're doing all this criminality, what happened then? Well, there were a lot of people who were humiliated and embarrassed and you know did have to you know resign from positions in government. And the ICIJ has done an amazing job online. Of showing, you know, the connections of these things, but it affects our world. I mean, there are a lot of oligarchs in the database that you can go and learn about. There are other other political figures that still walk the earth, and so the consequences for those who use this, you know, are relatively small, if nothing at all, other than that people who are elected officials who clearly wound up with money that they couldn't account for. You know, were sort of shamed out of public life. For Mossack and Fonseca themselves, you know, they're in an interesting position because these are guys who really played by the rules that, as you pointed out before, were created by the US government and other governments. And they do that to curry favor with high net worth donors. And so it's hard to figure out how to correct this unless you get money out of politics because. Right now, and this was John Doe's point in 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 their manifesto, you know, when when they release this, is that the big problem here is you know it's it's pay to play in in American politics, and elected officials are not going to create tax laws and stop what is called tax avoidance, which is really similar to tax evasion, but not a crime. They're not going to pass laws to stop tax avoidance and level the playing field for everybody because they get money from these people. 100%. So, and now when we catch up to present day, Donald Trump had his money in Deutsche Bank in this section that was called the global laundromat, later by prosecutors, the same place where the Russian oligarchs yeah. had their money. And the Republicans cut the budget for the IRS. So they would have less money to track tax avoidance by the very wealthy who are their donors. Exactly. So that's where we are. Okay. Next time we're going to talk about how you got into this because your movies are too interesting. They take up the whole interview. Okay. So everybody check out the report. It's on Amazon now. Laundromats on Netflix, so you can see both. 
Uh, Scott Burns, uh, amazing, amazing movies. Thank you so much. Thank really appreciate it. This was fun. Absolutely. Right. All right. Thank you, guys.